Romans chapter number three is where we'll be this evening. Romans and the third chapter will be in the fourth chapter and will be in the fifth chapter of the book of Romans. Uh, and uh, I, I'd, like to, uh, I'd like tonight to uh, help you in such a way you can walk out of here with victory this evening. I'd like to help you in such a way tonight that you get exactly what you need. Uh, and uh, there's, I, I promise you this much, uh, there's more questions than people are willing to ask uh, in the average church. Uh, there's more uh, problems that people are facing but they don't want to talk to nobody about it because if you talk to somebody about it, it may mean that you don't have everything figured out and you don't have all the answers. You ever, have you ever had a question you were embarrassed to ask? You, you ever had a, you ever had a, uh, uh, a problem or a, an issue uh, that you really wanted to talk about, you really wanted to ask, but you were afraid that somebody might question your theology or your doctrine uh, or your beliefs. And, 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 and your question wasn't a, uh, and I've known people that had uh, questions that, 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 that were loaded questions. You, you know what I'm talking about, loaded questions, where they, 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 they just like how they questioned Jesus, they, uh, their questions were questions to stump him and to, and to trigger reaction from him. And cause him to uh, to maybe uh, 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 slip up, though we know that he didn't. But that was what their questions were. I'm not talking about loaded questions. I'm talking about questions that uh, that you are sincere uh, in your desire to understand and learn and to know. Uh, but the question seems so insignificant or silly or simple that you're afraid to ask it. Uh, I think tonight I can answer some of these questions because. Uh, what I'm going to be teaching on tonight and preaching on tonight is, is along the lines of what most Christians deal with uh, involving their salvation. Uh, I want to preach tonight on the subject of justification. Uh, what does it mean? What is the Bible teaching uh, about the subject of justification? We'll be in Romans 3, Romans 4, and Romans 5. I've had people ask me this question many times. <clears throat> I know every area is different. <clears throat> Excuse me. Uh, different areas in the country. Uh, you can go to different areas in the country and some areas of our nation are predominantly Catholic. Uh, uh, you can go to different uh, areas of our country and some of the uh, areas are predominantly uh, Pentecostal or predominantly uh, 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 Baptist or predominantly uh, Presbyterian. Or, uh, and so different areas have a different infiltration of mindset that may be biblical. Then again, it may not be biblical. And so I want to take to you this evening the Bible. I want to take you to the Bible and I want to study this word and what it means to be justified. Uh, how many of you know that's what you are as a Christian? If you've been saved, you have been justified. Uh, what is it? What does it mean? Uh, is it by faith or is it by works or is it by both? Uh, I want to look at that. I'll answer these questions tonight. Uh, we, uh, I've had people ask me, preacher, what if I mess up after I've been saved? Uh, am I still justified? Am I still saved? Uh, preacher, what if I sin right before I die? Uh, am I still saved? Uh, I remember a, 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 a man that I used to hunt with when I was a teenager. Uh, he, he was a preacher 
uh, of a different denomination and he was a good man. I enjoyed talking with a man, enjoyed hanging out with a man. Uh, but he couldn't be more wrong in his doctrine uh, uh, and, and it was wicked, the doctrine that he preached because he said, and this was his, uh, he, I, I, I've told you this before if you've hung around here much time at all. He, he, I remember one day talking to him and he said, uh, since I've been saved, uh, I've never sinned. I have not sinned since I've been saved. Uh, he said willfully, uh, 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 I've not sinned since the day I got saved. Now he said, I can't control what comes through my mind. Uh, he said, but I have not committed an act of sin uh, since the day that I've been saved. Man said he'd been saved some 10, 15 years and he had not committed uh, sin. He had not committed an action of sin. And, 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 and I remember him telling me that. And uh, he said, and I believe that if I do, uh, I'll have to get saved again. I'll be lost. I'll need to get saved again if I commit an act of sin. I remember asking him. Uh, I said, uh, what if? Now, just, uh, just, just humor me uh, and, and, and let me uh, ask this question. I said, what if uh, you were driving down the road, you were struck by another vehicle, and right the moment before you died, uh, you cursed, you swore, uh, not saying that that should be anybody's uh, first choice of language. And if, if that's your first choice of language, you need to work on your language. Uh, you can be saved and God can clean up your language. And even when you, uh, even when you get mad, that don't always have to be your first choice of language. Somebody help me right there. Uh, but I asked him that question, just supposing. He said, I believe uh, that uh, I would die in sin because I had committed a sin. And so he said, so therefore, I think I'm saved. I hope I'm saved. I believe I'm saved. But that's all up uh, for question because I may lose it. Uh, I, I, I had to figure out, uh, does my Bible teach this or does this man teach this? I had to figure out because uh, I don't, I don't want to be wrong. Uh, I, I, listen, when I hear something, Brother Dan, uh, I take it to the word of God. Uh, when I hear something, I don't say, well, my grandpa said, or my grandma said, or, 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 and listen, you ought to have faith in your pastor. If you don't have faith in your pastor, you ought to find one you can trust and have faith in. Uh, but I don't want even just to get to heaven and say, well, God, my pastor said, and God said, didn't I give you a Bible? Didn't I give you the word of God? Uh, uh, I have faith in the men that God has put in my life uh, that I've called preacher and pastor. But I'm telling you, uh, when that man spoke that, when that man said that, I said, well, I'm gonna find that out in the word of God. And do you know I could not find what that man was talking about in scripture? Uh, I'm gonna show you in Romans 3, Romans 4, and Romans 5 what it means to be justified, what God did for you in justification, and, 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 and what it'll do in your life. Uh, I promise you this much this 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 uh, evening uh, if it didn't take you long after you got saved to find out you still had a sin nature uh, that was in love with sin and you were going to there was going to be a war between the two natures that carnal sinful lustful nature and that new spiritual nature that's what first Corinthians uh, was talking about therefore if any man be in Christ he's a new creature old things are passed away behold all things are become new God made a new man when he saved 
save me, but unfortunately, uh, I still live in this earthly tabernacle uh, that is uh, that is wicked, uh, and, and and that nature of uh, uh, of the new birth, they're, they're at enmity one with the other. There's a war going on uh, in my mind this evening. There's a war going on in my flesh. Uh, I'm glad, thank God, the flesh nature don't have to win. I'm glad, thank God, the flesh nature should not win. Uh, you should feed the appetite of that spiritual man uh, and deny that fleshly carnal man. But there will be days, there will be times in your life when you fall. The righteous man, Proverbs said, falleth seven times. A righteous man fail seven times. We read about David, a righteous man, and he fell. And mark her down this evening, uh, sin has consequences. Don't, don't, don't. Somebody said, oh, you're part of that crowd, ain't you? You believe you can get saved and you can do whatever you want. Uh, yes and no. You say, what's the yes? Well, when I got saved, the Lord changed my wants. He changed what I wanted to do. Help me right there. He changed what I wanted to do. I don't want to live in sin anymore. I, I don't want to be drunk anymore. I, 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 I don't want to, I don't want to be a fornicator. I don't want to be an idolater. I don't want to be an adulterer. I'm a happily, happily married man. I, I want to be married to this woman till death do us part. I, I don't have a desire uh, for what I would have had a desire for had I not got saved or maybe what I did have a desire for before I got saved. See, God, when he saved me, changed my desires because he gave me a new nature. It's amazing to me uh, what being born again will do for somebody. Uh, there's a lot of folks that never had a new nature and they claim religion and salvation and the truth of the matter is, therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. All things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. I'm thank God when he saved me he gave me a new nature uh, that though that fleshly man desires sin there's somebody in me that called the Holy Ghost saying boy you don't want to sin uh, you don't want to live your life that way there are consequences for your actions and so what does the Bible talk about in teaching Paul uh, outlines it here for us. Does a wonderful job under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit of God to outline this for us. And in verse number uh, or chapter number three and uh, verse number uh, nineteen, I'll begin reading. We're going to read a lot of scripture at different times, but not all together. Uh, but verse number nineteen, chapter three. Now we know that what things soever the law saith, it saith to them who are under the law, that every mouth may be stopped and all the world may become guilty before God. Therefore, by the deeds of the law, there shall no flesh be justified in his sight, for by the law is the knowledge of sin. Verse number 21. <clears throat> but now the righteousness of God without the law is manifested, being witnessed by the law and the prophets. Even the righteousness of God, which is by faith upon, or by faith of Jesus Christ unto all and upon all them that believe. For there is no difference. Verse 23. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God, being justified freely by His grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. Look in verse 28. Therefore we conclude that a man is justified by faith without the deeds of the law. First of all, in Paul's outline of justification, uh, he gives us an examination of man's problem, an examination of the problem. Uh, he is talking to uh, religious Jews 
who believe that their keeping of the law is their salvation, uh, that they have no need of Jesus, or that if they do have a need of Jesus, that it is Jesus plus their keeping of the law, Jesus plus their works, Jesus plus their good deeds. Uh, 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 the, the, the Old Testament Judaizers, the Old Testament Jews, believed that it was the keeping of the law. Many of them uh, 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 was, the, uh, was their salvation. And then now, uh, since Christ came on the scene, was uh, 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 died, was buried, and rose again, and the Christian church began, uh, and Jesus sent forth the apostles uh, and they established churches and preached and now here Paul is to the Gentiles a preacher and he's fighting this problem that the Old Testament Jews were infiltrating the New Testament church and they were bringing along with them, uh, though, though salvation was uh, extended to the Gentiles, but Jews still got saved, but they were bringing works of the law into a salvation by faith alone in the Lord Jesus that Paul and the other apostles were preaching, and so they were combining the two, and so here in Paul's day, he's looking, uh, and he begins to establish the problem with them, and say so the problem is, is you are mixing the law and grace together. You are bringing in the Christian doctrine after Christ came to the world that salvation, for by grace are you saved through faith and you are mixing that with a work of the law and you're bringing, you're combining, you're, you're joining together two things that ought not be joined together. He said you are, uh, and he begins to establish this in his preaching to them in this uh, letter to the church, at, uh, the churches at Rome and says uh, 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 there's an issue at hand and the issue at hand is, uh, is that you are trying to make salvation uh, a works-based and a Christ-based uh, 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 salvation. There are some, uh, this is how they do it. Uh, there's some that believe salvation is by works alone. Uh, you can find religions built on the works of man and man alone. That, that this is their mindset. Our good uh, must outweigh our bad. If I can do enough, uh, and, and just about every country singers wrote a song about it. Just about every, uh, just about everybody's talked about it. I'm just trying to work hard enough to get in, hoping one day my good will outweigh my bad. That's a false. Uh, that's a false religion. It's a false doctrine. It's not biblical. Uh, there is. There is not uh, the problem. With with that is you say preach what's the problem with that uh, the problem with that is is heaven is not a place for bad uh, heaven is not a place for sin heaven uh, is a sinless place and sin cannot enter in there so if you get to heaven and you've done some good things boy thank God aren't you glad there's folks in the world that still do good things but say you've done some good things but along with your good things as you have is your bag of bad things and maybe just maybe your good outweighs your bad still there is that bad and what is going to be done with that bad can that bad enter into heaven can God look over that bad can God say well you got more good than you've got bad and so uh, you can come on in even though you have bad you've got more good the problem is is that heaven is a holy righteous place that sin has no place in so you're not going to be able to take your sin you're not going to be able to take your bad uh, and so uh, you're in a mess 
Uh, then there's the sign where people say, all right, it's Jesus plus works. Jesus saved me, but now I've got to work uh, to keep it. I've got to work to keep Jesus happy with me. I've got to work uh, to make Jesus satisfied. I've got to work uh, to continue to earn my salvation. Jesus forgave my past, but now it's in my hands. Can I say uh, the key to getting saved is faith in the Lord Jesus and him alone, and the key to the victorious Christian life is the same thing you needed when you got saved. You're gonna have to have faith that God did not just save your past, but he said, listen, if he just saved your past, you'd still be in a mess. You've still got a present. You've still got a future. And somewhere in that present and in that future, you're going to fail. You're going to fall. You're going to mess up. You're going to think something you shouldn't think. You say, preacher, I've not done a willful act of sin. You've still got a sin nature. You've still got a mind that thinks sinful thoughts. Help me right there. And what, what's God going to do with that sin in your life? And so there are those that say, well, I've got good works and then I've got good works alone. I've kept the law. There are those uh, that says, uh, I've got Jesus and I've got good works and the two combined together should be enough to give me to get me in. Can I make this statement to you tonight? I hope I'll get a good hearty amen. It is Jesus plus nothing. Amen. Jesus don't need a plus. <laughs> Jesus don't need anything added to him. Jesus is the, uh, the answer He's the only, he's, he's the all in all. Uh, Jesus uh, paid it all. All to him I owe sin had left a crimson stain. He washed it white as snow. It is Jesus plus absolutely nothing in regards to salvation. Uh, it's not Jesus plus me. Me and God. God is my co-pilot. Me and Jesus got a good thing going me and Jesus going to work this out. Me and Jesus got it all figured out. Me and Jesus is going to make it. It's Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. And if you have anything to boast in tonight, it ain't me and God. It, and I'm talking about country, me and God. It ain't me and God. It's God and his son, and that's what I'm boasting in tonight. It's not Jesus plus me is good. It is Jesus and Jesus alone. And I'm in Christ. Christ in us, the word of God said. Christ in us, the hope of glory. And so Paul begins to establish the problem that they had. Look in verse number 23. He said, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Uh, man has sinned. Man, uh, 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 man is the problem. Uh, verse 20 said, no flesh... Uh, uh, therefore by the deeds of the law there shall no flesh be justified in his sight what is Paul saying in verse 20 read it I mean read your Bible and God will answer a whole lot of your questions about this man verse 20 therefore by the deeds of the law are you getting that women by the deeds of the law by works by keeping the law by honoring the law by examining the law by doing the law therefore by the deeds of the law there shall no. Well, that's a hard King James version of the Bible word to understand, isn't it? No. There shall no flesh be justified in his sight. Oh my. I don't know how in the world religions claim salvation by works when there's verses like this in your Bible. 
That makes absolutely not a lick of sense to me. How in the world can you explain? And they'll always take you over there to the book of James and they'll take you over there and say, well, James said, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. James said, uh, James said, you show me your faith without your work. I'll show you faith by my works. And listen, uh, Paul, James's works is a product of salvation. It is not a... It is not a producer of salvation. James is talking about, I'll show you a proof of you've been saved is you've got works. God will put good works in your life and it'll be proof that you've got saved. Works is involved in the Christian's life, but works is not involved in the Christian's salvation. There's a work involved. It's the finished work of Calvary. Uh, look Look in verse number 31. Do we then, or verse number... Uh, let me let me let me find it. Uh, verse number twenty-eight. Therefore, we conclude that a man is justified by faith. Y'all see that? Verse number twenty-eight. Therefore, we conclude that a man is justified by faith. And then he goes on and does he say plus the deeds of the law? Is that what your Bible said? Read what your Bible said with me. Then, therefore, we conclude that a man is justified by faith. What? Without. The deeds of the law. And somebody said, well, preacher, is the law bad? Do we not need the law anymore? Well, he goes ahead and answers that as well. He knew you and I would ask that question. He said in verse 31, do we then make void the law through faith? God forbid. Yea, we establish the law. There's nothing. Thank God for the law of God. Thank God for the commandments of God. But did you know that salvation is not through you keeping the law? But when you when you get saved, it'll give you a desire to keep the law. The law is your schoolmaster that brings you to faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. So he begins to establish the problem to the churches at Rome. And the problem is, or it begins to, the, an examination of the problem, the problem is, is that they believed that salvation was by works plus Jesus. They believed that salvation was by Jesus and his atonement, his redemption plus their doing good deeds. Uh, you say, preacher, I don't believe that I got saved by Jesus plus work, but let me ask you this. Has the devil ever lied to you and said that you can lose your salvation by your deeds? You see, it's the same thing. If you couldn't get your salvation by your deeds, can you lose your salvation by your deeds? You see, if you can lose your salvation by your deeds, that means you can get them by your deeds. If it's anything to do with Jeffrey Boone, and then here's the question, what would you have to do to get your salvation back? Would it involve your deeds? You see, if it's anything to do with you, if it's anything to do with I, myself, if it's anything to do with us, uh, then, uh, uh, then we, have, uh, we have access to get it by our works and we have access to lose it by our works. You see, you're going to have to understand if you're ever going to have joy and victory in this Christian life that your whole salvation is wrapped up in one man and that man is the man, Christ Jesus. He is the author and finisher of our faith. He said, I'm Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. And and the Word of God describes him as I just quoted, as the author and finisher of our faith. Uh, He that hath begun a good work in you will perform it unto the day of redemption. You see, Paul begins an examination of their problem and the problem is they thought they had something to do with their salvation. He wanted them to know you didn't earn it and you can't lose it. 
It's not by your deeds. It's not by your law. It's not by your work. It's not by your keeping of the law. And the problem with that is is every man has an easy time keeping one part of the law and a hard time keeping another part of the law. That same crowd that may not be guilty of murder, but they, but they may be guilty of lust. They may be guilty of envy. And don't forget about that 10th commandment. Everybody talks about thou shalt not kill, thou shalt not steal, thou shalt not commit adultery. And, 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 they, and, and, and they have no problem keeping those, but they forget about that forgotten tenth commandment, thou shalt not covet. Uh, and, and listen, everybody's coveted something somebody's had at some point in your life. Everybody. Everybody. Something. And hear what I'm saying. Paul said, I'm going to examine your problem here right out in front of you. I'm going to lay it out on the table. I'm going to open up the Word of God and I'm going to tell you that your problem is is that you're adding you to Jesus and his work and you miss the mark. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And he nails it down with Holy Ghost breathed scripture. By the flesh shall know, uh, or by the, by the law shall no flesh be justified. Now not only does he, uh, not only does he begin an examination of the problem, but then he begins an establishment of the plan of justification. Look in verse number uh, 24. Being justified freely by His grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. Notice that being justified freely. Now is the Bible true or is it not true? Is the Bible accurate or is it not accurate? Does the words mean what they mean or do they not mean what they mean? Being justified freely. Do you know what freely means? Do I know what freely Being justified freely. That means I've been justified freely. Being ju- and then he says, by what? Being justified freely by our works. Is that what it said? Being justified freely by our good deeds. What did he say? By his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. He said, you got justified freely by his grace, uh, by the, through his grace, or by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus whom God has set forth to be a propitiation through faith in his blood to declare his righteousness for the remission of sins that are passed through the forbearance of God. To declare, I say at this time, his righteousness, that he might be just, he's just, and the justifier of him which believeth in Jesus. Verse 27, where is boasting then? It is excluded. By what law? Question mark. Of works? Question mark. And then he answers, nay, but by the law of faith. Where is boasting then? Question mark. Who's going to boast? <clears throat> well, I can't boast. Can you boast in your deeds that saved you? Oh, no, I can't boast. He said, by, by, <clears throat> by uh, where is boasting then? Question mark. It is excluded. By what law? Question mark. Of works, question. Nay, but by the law of faith. There's a law, but it's the law of faith. And he said, when you come to Jesus by faith, you got justified freely. It was a free gift. Jesus did the work. He redeemed you. He's our redemption. He's our propitiation. He's the blood sprinkled on the mercy seat. He's the redeemer. Jesus did the work on Calvary. It's actually a smack in the face of God tonight that we believe we could add anything to His salvation. 
that we could take anything away from it. Now listen, I know I'm not saying you question, you having questions is a, uh, a lot of our questions stem from false teaching that we've heard in our life. Maybe, maybe a grandma, maybe an uncle, maybe a, maybe a preacher that didn't study his Bible and was just quoting men instead of the Word of God. And I don't know what it may have been, but a lot of our questions stem from false teaching and preaching that we've heard from loved ones and family and friends and co-workers. But my job as a pastor is not to say, now Brother Josh Williams thinks this, but my job as a preacher, as a pastor, is to gather the flock together and say the Word of God teaches this. This is why we take the stand. Preacher, do you believe in eternal security? I sure do. Preacher, do you believe in salvation by faith alone in the Lord Jesus Christ? I sure enough absolutely do. I make no qualms about it, no questions about it. Uh, 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 I'll stand flat-footed, firm, uh, and fight all the way to the house to defend it. Uh, I'll not back down from it. I will not allow any other teaching to be taught. Uh, I'll not allow a preacher to stand behind the pulpit and preach anything other than that. You say, why? Don't you you want to be inclusive to everybody? Not on this. I don't want to be inclusive. I want to be exclusive. I want to exclude every doctrine except the doctrine of salvation by faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. We, 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 uh, we have confusion in our day because we have an inclusive uh, uh, hour where everybody wants to include everybody and include everybody's doctrine. And listen to me, uh, that's a wicked uh, belief system that is unbiblical. I'm not talking about you having questions. I'm here to confirm your questions in Scripture. And I'm hoping this evening when we walk out of these doors, uh, you go to the house and you say, thank you, Lord, uh, that I had nothing to do with it when I got it and I ain't gonna have nothing to do with it to keep it. Uh, that if I were to sin, uh, my sin will take me out of fellowship with God but my sin won't take me out of the family of God that's John chapter 1 uh, John chapter 1 uh, John said uh, 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 well, uh, let, me, let me remember the text John chapter 1 uh, he, he, he begins to talk about uh, uh, if we confess our sin he's faithful and just to forgive us our sin and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness you see sin takes you out of fellowship when you sin as a Christian he talk, he's talking to the brethren. He's talking to the body of Christ. Sin takes the brethren out of fellowship with God when they sin. But it, John chapter 1, John chapter 2. But it don't take you out of the family of God. Sin takes you out of fellowship. If you sin willingly and willfully uh, and, you, and you don't confess that to God, sin takes you out of fellowship. That's why David said, if I regard iniquity in my heart and not hear me, uh, sin will take you out of fellowship. That's why a lot of people can't pray. They don't have any fellowship with God because they're regarding iniquity in their heart. They're holding on to sin. They won't confess it and tell God uh, about their sin and get it under, uh, get it under uh, 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 that forgiveness of, of, of the promise of, of, of 1 John chapter 1 and 2. Of that cleansing of confession. But that's not, that's not for lost people to get saved. And that's not for saved people to get saved again. Uh, that is for a saved man that sinned and it has taken him out of fellowship. He wants it restored. He confesses, if we confess our sin, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sin and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Sin takes a Christian out of fellowship but don't take him out of family. You say, preacher, can you illustrate that? I can illustrate that where you live. Does sin in your family take your family out of your family? 
It don't matter even if you don't want to talk to them or be around them. You can't do nothing with the DNA that's flowing through your veins. You can try to disown them, but they're still your children. They still got the same blood you got. Somebody help me right there. I could say, I'm no longer Curtis Williams' son. I no longer bear his name. I'd go down to the courthouse, change my name. But you know what that means? I've only tried to change something on the outside, but I'm still, I still bear the resemblance. I still, I, I got the same feet he's got. They're the same size. They look the same. My toes are the same. I got the same feet of my daddy. You can line them up and you wouldn't be able to tell the difference. I got his feet. I got his body type. I don't have his dark hair, but I got his pot belly. Somebody help me right there. I've got the blood of Curtis Williams flowing in these veins and you do too and you can tell you do a whole lot more than you can I do. I've got that blood flowing through my veins and if I tried to say I wasn't his, I may be able to fool somebody but the truth of the matter is that blood is still there. It's made up in my DNA and hear what I'm telling you. God may break fellowship with you over sin but he don't break family. See, Calvary was an eternal work, took place in eternity. We have a problem because we can't understand eternity. All we can do is understand time because that's the only place we've ever lived. I live in time. How about you? Do y'all live in time? Y'all got some time. It's time right now. There's time. Did you know time had a beginning? Genesis chapter number one, time had a beginning. God spoke the world into existence and the, and the earth began to move and, and time began. Did you know time has an end? Did you know God was in eternity before time began? And did you know that on the other side of time, when time comes to its end and heaven and earth passes away, did you know that on the other side of, of, etern- of time is God in eternity? And here me and you are, and it's like a little capsule swallowed up by eternity. And it's got a beginning and it's got an end. And somewhere in the middle of time, your time began and so your time is a small capsule inside of a small capsule where everybody's time is and you've got a span and in that span you've got a beginning you've got a middle and you've got an end and somewhere hopefully in that span of time you trusted Jesus now did Jesus die on the cross in your span of time no Jesus died on the cross on the span of time of humanity and when Jesus died on the cross where's God God was on the cross in Jesus because Jesus is a part of the Godhead bodily God was on the cross but where was God God was in heaven where's heaven heaven's in eternity And so while Jesus was dying on the cross, he was doing a work in time. And while Jesus was dying on the cross, he was doing a work in eternity. And so the blood that was shed in time was the same blood that was shed in eternity. And when the blood was sprinkled on the mercy seat of heaven, it was sprinkled in time and it was sprinkled in eternity. It took place in time and it took place in eternity. Calvary was taking place in time and Calvary was taking place in eternity. So when you came to get saved last October, when you came to get saved, that took place in time. Because you're in time. But where's God? He's in eternity. And so it took place in eternity. Uh-oh, we're getting into something now, ain't we? You mean my salvation took place in time? Yeah, I hope you know that because you were there. If you wasn't there when you got saved, you'd probably go get saved. I was, <laughs> there's a song about I was there when it happened. I remember that. You were in time? And you got saved. But God was, where's Jesus? Sit at the right hand of the Father. The Holy Ghost of God was working in your heart, showing you Calvary that took place in time before you got here. 
And you got saved, and when you got saved, it took place in time. You, I remember bowing my head that night as a seven-year-old boy, and I said, in time. I said, God, I am a sinner. I need to get saved. But where's God? He's in eternity. And the God of eternity will receive me, and, and I got saved in time, and I got saved in eternity. That's a big pill for some of us to swallow, but you're going to have to let the Word of God illuminate your mind tonight that God's an eternal God, and He lives in eternity. And when I got saved, it took place in eternity. And I got a question for you. What does eternity mean? It means forever and ever and ever without end, amen. Eternity, always, always. It means it don't have a beginning and it don't have an end. God don't have a beginning and it don't have an end. Preacher, I can't understand that. I can't figure it out. You ain't got to figure it out, just figure it in. God ain't interested in you figuring it out. I got a God I can't figure out, but I can figure him in. It took place in a time. It took place in eternity. And so, I mean, I got an eternal salvation. means when God said, here's how it had to happen. When I said, Lord, I am a sinner. I need to be saved. I am lost. I'm a sinner. I need to be saved. I'm lost. And God said, yep, that's right. That's what I've been telling you. And the Lord said, but I'm going to save you. And God was in eternity and it was taking place in time. And God did a work that did not just take place right there in the moment and, and wash everything that led up to me getting here. But God took that little capsule of my time, my span in time, and God encompassed it. He took the beginning of my days, he took the end of my days, and he picked it all up, scooped it all up, and bore it on his shoulders on Calvary's cross, died with me and mine, shed his blood so I could be born again. And, 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 and he got all of my life, past, present, and future. Picked it all up. Took it to Calvary died in my stead. And when I got saved, he washed it all white as snow. He had to. I got news for you. You ain't been to your funeral yet, but I know one who has. Preacher, what are you talking about? Jesus has done been to your funeral. He, he knows how you're going to die. He knows when you're going to die, if you die. Well, may some of us go out by the rapture. Somebody, well, may all of us go out by the rapture. But he's been to your end. He's been to the end of your life. That's why he's not worried about how this thing's going to turn out in your life because he knows how it's going to turn out in your life because he's already been to the end. He had to to get all your sin. He's done been to the end. It's hard for us to understand that. It's hard for us to understand that. That's why salvation's eternal. And Paul begins an examination of the, of the problem. And he begins an establishment of the plan. He said God was doing a work of redemption and propitiation on your behalf. God did all of this for you. So when you came to him, he just scooped it all up. He done scooped it all. When you came to him, he washed you from beginning to end. Though our sin be a scar, they shall be white as snow. So Paul begins in his outline to the church Churches in Rome begins an examination of the problem, begins an establishment of the plan. Then it begins an example of the promise. Just in case they were having a hard time believing it, he took them over to chapter number four uh, and, and said, now let me, give you, let me give you some Old Testament Bible uh, that'll, that'll prove uh, what I'm preaching it's pretty much what he's saying. Uh, y'all, y'all are trying to bring in works because you claim to be Old Testament Jews, and so let me bring this in here. 
Uh, and and, and let, let me give you the example uh, in, in our text. And he takes us over to Romans chapter number 4. And he says, What shall we say then that Abraham our father, as pertaining to the flesh, hath found? For if Abraham were justified by works, he hath whereof to glory, but not before God. For what saith the scripture? Abraham believed. Notice that right there. Somebody said, now, Abraham got saved by works and we get saved by, by, by faith. You better read your Bible. For if Abraham were justified by works, he hath whereof to glory, but not before God. For what saith the scripture? Abraham believed God and it was counted unto him for righteousness. Now to him that worketh is the reward not reckoned of grace, but of debt. But to him that worketh not, but believeth on him that justifieth the ungodly, his faith is counted for righteousness. Even as David also describeth the blessedness of the man unto whom God imputeth righteousness without work, saying, Blessed are they whose iniquities are forgiven and whose sins are covered. Blessed is the man to whom the Lord will not impute sin. Look in verse 13. I'm talking about an example. He gives, an, gives us an example of the promise. Look in verse number 13. For the promise that he should be the heir of the world was not Abraham or to his seed through the law, but through the righteousness of faith. For if they which are of the law be heirs, faith is made void and the promise made of none effect. Because the law worketh wrath, for where no law is, there's no transgression. Therefore, it is of faith that it might be by grace. To the end, the promise might be sure to all the seed, not to that only which is of the law, but to that also which is of the faith of Abraham, who is the father of us all. As it is written, I have made thee a father of many nations before him whom he believed, even God who quickeneth the dead and calleth those things which be not as though they were. Who against hope believed in hope that he might become the father of many nations. According to that which was spoken, so shall I seed be. And being not weak in faith, he considereth not his own body, now dead. When he was about a hundred years old, neither yet the deadness of Sarah's womb. He staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strong in faith, giving glory to God, and being fully persuaded that what he had promised he was able to perform. And therefore it was imputed to him for righteousness. Now it was not written for his sake alone that it was imputed to him but for us also to whom it shall be imputed. If we believe on him that raised us, or that raised up Jesus our Lord from the dead, who was delivered for our offenses and was raised again for our justification. We're talking about justification. To be justified. Just as if I never sinned. And it goes a step further. Just as if I've always been this holy. Is what justification is. It's just as if I never sinned. When God sees me, sees me through Christ, it's just as if I never sinned. And it's just as if I'd always been this holy. Because I am in Christ. And Paul gives us an Old Testament example. He says, let me tell you, brothers and sisters in Christ, about a fellow named Abraham and a man named David. Abraham saved by believing. Abraham believed God and it was imputed unto him righteousness. And David Talk about blessed is the man whom the Lord will not impute sin. He's imputed, he's imparted, he's put in us righteousness that we did not have on our own. That's what it is to be justified. Listen to me tonight. When God saved you, he saved you not by your works, 
lest any man should boast. He saved you not by the keeping of the law, but he saved you when your faith, if you got saved, when your faith was placed in the redemption work of Calvary by faith alone in the Lord Jesus Christ. And when you came to Jesus and you said, Lord, I am a sinner, I need to get saved, God imputed righteousness into you because of your belief on Jesus. In Jesus. Not your works. Now again, salvation does produce works. We may get to that in a minute. We may not. Salvation does produce works. But works is not a producer of salvation. Salvation produces works. But works don't produce salvation. What does? Paul illustrates it. He said, Abraham believed God. And it was counted to him for righteousness. It was placed in his bank account. His spiritual heavenly bank as righteousness. It was counted to him for righteousness. Abraham could draw from Christ's righteousness and say, I'm righteous because I'm in it. What do you reckon our plea is going to be when we get to heaven? And they say, how'd you come here? And they ask you, how'd you make? And what's our answer going to be? Well, I, I, I gave money in the offering plate. I was a member of the Crossroads Baptist Church. Uh, uh, I, I, I was a part of the building program. Uh, I was baptized on Easter Sunday. Uh, I, I, uh, I put my kids in Christian school. Uh, I, I had a King James Bible because my preacher said that was the only one to have. Uh, I did this, I did this, I did this. Is that going to be your plea? What it'll be? What will it be? It'll be, I've come through Jesus. My righteousness is filthy rags, but His has been imputed into me. And I am justified. Just as if I'd never sinned. And then a step further. Just as if I'd always been holy as Christ. Justification is just as if you'd never sinned. Just like you'd never sinned. But just as if you'd always been as holy as Christ. Oh my, I, I don't know if I can preach it this evening like I'm wanting to. But I don't know if you understand it tonight. But when God sees you. Let me give you two truths this evening. Am I bouncing around too much? Are y'all, are y'all getting any help from me? Let me give you two truths tonight. There is a positional truth and a practical truth. It's illustrated in Scripture. Romans 6, uh, uh, Romans 6 uh, gives us the positional truth. Romans 6, you can go look at it. Knowing this... Knowing this, talks about knowing, 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 knowing. We know, we know, we know. Knowing this, knowing that the old man is crucified with Christ. Knowing, uh, knowing, knowing. Paul in Romans chapter 6 gives us the positional truth is, and that is this, when God sees you as a Christian, he sees you in Christ. That's your position in Christ. That's the positional truth. The practical truth he gives us in Romans 7 when he goes on to talk about how sinful we still are after we've been saved. And he says stuff like this, O wretched man that I am, who should deliver me from the body of this death? And Paul talks about the things that I would do, I don't, and the things that I would not do. That's what I end up doing. He's giving you the practical truth. The positional truth is found in Romans 6. When God sees me, he sees me in the blood. And positionally speaking, I'm as saved as I'm ever gonna be. I'm justified in Christ. The practical truth is, this morning when I got out of bed, my feet hit the floor and my mind and my nature, my flesh was still alive and it had a desire for sin just like yours does. That's practical truth. 
Positional truth is Romans 6. We're in Christ. Christ in us, hope of glory. And in Romans chapter 6, knowing that we know that we're in Christ. We know the old man is dead. But the practical truth is, is that I'm still, I, I was raised on a chicken farm my, my, from an early age till I was about 10. My grandpa sold it. Uh, my, daddy and worked, my daddy and mama worked that chicken farm. We gathered eggs. It was a hen house a, uh, or an egg house. A, it was different kinds, broiler houses. And, 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 and this one is a, uh, we gathered eggs. The, the hens that we raised, I'm talking about thousands upon thousands of them, everywhere you'd walk in them houses. And, 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 and we gathered eggs. And they'd come down that conveyor belt and uh, the nastiest stuff I ever, I still don't hardly like chicken. You got to really fry that stuff up for me. Everybody says preachers like chicken. You, I, you work on a chicken farm, you really got to d- deep fry that stuff. Don't give me no chicken, ain't deep fried. Help me right there. Cover it up, smother it up, hide what's underneath there for me. And them old eggs would come down there and I'd be four and five, six years old with a, with a bleach bucket washing some of them eggs because they went to ConAgra uh, 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 egg houses and Conagra farms, and we'd have to sell them eggs, and they had to be clean, and 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 they'd come down through there, and then we'd go. And the only thing about working in the chicken house I liked is every now and then they'd get some hens or some roosters that need to be cold from the flock, and Grandpa'd go in there with orange spray paint, and he'd put an X on them, and that meant they needed to be killed. And so Daddy'd let me take a BB gun in there or a, uh, a twenty-two rifle in there, and me and Daddy'd walk through the hen house shooting hens. And roosters that need to be killed. That's the only thing I liked. Kill them nasty birds. I'm talking about that. It's sick. Uh, they, they, they'd fight each other and they'd peck each other till they'd nearly peck each other to death and they would kill. Uh, you'd get one of them that got sick. It's kind of like Baptists. You'd get one of them that got down a little bit and they'd all gather around to kick it. <laughs> and beat up on that poor old hen. Laid there just trying to get some help. And, and I remember, I remember, I, I never could do it. Could not. I still couldn't do it. I cringe thinking about it. You call me what you want to. I was raised in that stuff. I didn't like it. I seen it from a child. And, but my grandpa, I guess I could now if I needed to. My grandpa, he'd pick up one of them, one of them hens or one of them roots. Listen, I was about that tall. I was just the right height to get flogged in the face and spurred by a big old rooster. I'd walk through there like this right here. Them roosters would see me coming, and they, I, they was mean. Some of them would get, you, you'd get them in the beginning, they wasn't that mean, but you have them there for a little while, and them old things would get mean and territorial, and, and, and my little seven-year-old self walking through that chicken house, and here'd come a rooster flying off the, like a, like a, a wrestling, ter- flying off the tightrope, and, 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 and flogged me right in the face. Boy, I, I was with a kind. I, I didn't know which one was which, but if I could have put an X on one of them, I'd have shot them in a heartbeat. My grandpa would take that rooster, and he'd, or that hen, and he'd pick them up by the neck, and he'd wring the neck of that chicken. Y'all seen it done, ain't you? He'd wring that neck, throw it out there in the pile. That pile was going to be thrown in the back of the truck. We had a berry pit in the back of the field with a little open door, and you'd open the door, and there was a big old hole buried there and, and you'd open the door and throw them chickens in there and close it before the smell could get to your nose it, the best you could and we'd open it and throw them chickens in there and so we'd throw them out in a pile out in front of the chicken house waiting on the eggs to get done being gathered and then we was going to take that pile of chickens and he'd run their neck and take them to the, to the pit he'd run one of them chickens necks threw it out there in the pile 
was gathering eggs. Y'all not going to believe this. That chicken took off running. Head laid down on the ground like this right here. I'm telling you. Head laid on the ground. Laid on, broken neck. Head laid on the ground. Chicken running. <clears throat> Paul, <clears throat> uh, that chicken ain't dead. It's alive. I'll never forget he said, son. That chicken's dead. It just don't know it yet. I didn't know what he's talking about. The chicken's dead. It just don't know it yet. He's right. That chicken's nerves were still, were still kicking and screaming. It was dead. It just didn't know it yet. What you don't understand about justification is, is God, through Jesus, killed that old man when you got saved. The only reason it's still kicking and screaming is because it just don't know it yet. But when you get to heaven, you're going to find out how saved you actually were. You were just, that old nature was just kicking. The Lord Jesus, bear, what, do you think, what do you think baptism is? It's a picture of what happened when you got saved. What do we say to him? What do we say to him? Buried in the likeness of his death. Raised to walk in the newness of life. When God saved you, he said, oh, Dallas Moon won't ever do. I'm just telling you the truth. Dallas Boone just won't ever do. There ain't no way Dallas can go to heaven. They just won't ever do. Not going to make it, Dallas. And so here's what Calvary was. I'm going to be done in a minute. Here's what Calvary was. Let this be your record. You don't have to tell us what's in there, but that's your record. On the front, it said the life and times of Dallas Boone. Your whole life in that record book. Stuff you know about that I don't know about, nobody else knows about, but you know about it and God knows about it. And when a sinner comes to Jesus, and here you come to Jesus, Dallas, when you got saved, and God, oh, Dallas won't ever do. No, Dallas won't, the only thing I can do with Dallas, I'm just going to kill Dallas. He's going to kill Dallas, he won't ever do. I'm going to have to make Dallas a new creature. That's why therefore if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things are passed away. When you got saved, God said, that old Dallas, he won't ever be able to get in because of his, but I'll just kill him and I'll bury him in Christ and I'll raise him up with Christ and, and, and now you're here and you're a new creature and you're not Dallas Boone with your old wreck, you're Dallas Boone in Christ. Justified. Here's the great truth. You got in my book here that I'm holding the life and times of Jesus Christ. I want you to watch this. I'll be done. The life and times of Jesus Christ. Open the book and it says holy, spotless, sinless, perfect, without blemish. You can read through the book and there's not a blemish on a page. There's not a day where he even looks like he thinks about sinning. He's holy and spotless and perfect, Lamb of God. And why Calvary makes such a change in your life is because Calvary has such an exchange in your life. Here's what happens. God sees you. So that'll never do. And here Jesus is at Calvary. And Jesus said, I'll take your book. I'll take the life and times of Dallas Boone. And he bore my sin on his shoulder. He died as me. He died for me. He died because of me. 
with my sin. He said, I'll take the life and times of Josh Williams. I'll take the life and times of Dallas Boone. Everything in your book, past, present, and future, stuff you don't even know about. He said, I'll take it. Jesus died as you. And here's the great truth of it all. And Jesus said, now, I'm going to take your book, but you're going to have to have a book. Here, this is the life and times of Jesus Christ. Take that book, Dallas, and show it to the Father. He'll be well pleased. He'll be, <laughs> he'll be well pleased. And when you get to heaven, that old book of Dallas Boone, the life and times of Dallas Boone, it was, it was paid for, it was buried, and it was cast into the depths of sin. It ain't, at the depths of the sea, it ain't ever to be brought up again. And when you get to heaven, you've got imputed righteousness that came from God. It's called justification. And you've got a new book, and that new book says stuff like what Jesus' book said. Righteous, holy, complete, clean, washed. 1 Corinthians 6 names off a whole bunch of sin. It says, and such were some of you, but ye are washed, justified, clean. You say, you got a new book tonight, thanks to Jesus. It had nothing to do with you. I got a new book, past, present, and future. That's why Romans 8, 1's in your Bible. There is therefore now no condemnation. And that walk in the Spirit. And therefore now no condemnation. You say, well, that's just for them that walk in the Spirit. Well, he answered that for you. Let me, let me get my Bible. I got it marked and I'll be done. Romans 8. Verse 9, but you're not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, if so be that the Spirit of God dwell in you. Now, if any man have not the Spirit of Christ, he's none of his. So you're not walking in the flesh if you're saved and you've got the Spirit living in you, positionally speaking. Jeff, could you walk out of here tonight, leave it all to go after sin? Could. It would take you out of fellowship and God would chastise you as a son. He's got a woodshed and he's got a belt and he knows how to use both. He'd chastise you as a son. Could you walk out of his family tonight? No. Because you've got a new book that happened in eternity. That's why justification is so great. That's why, that's why you need to quit listening to the devil tonight. That's why you need to quit listening to that. He's a liar. Jesus never has half-heartedly done anything. What he does, he does for eternity. I want us to stand tonight. I want my wife to come to the piano. I appreciate you letting me show you these things this evening. I, I, I'm hoping tonight that somebody got some victory in their life. They say, I, I didn't know, but now I do. I'm justified in Christ. Through Christ, by Christ, because of Christ. It's all Him and none of me. Jesus really did pay it all. Tonight when He sees you, He sees the blood. When God looks at you, He sees you in Christ. He sees the blood. She's going to sing tonight. I wonder, maybe you ought to thank Him for a moment this evening. Maybe you, ought to get you some, maybe you ought to get you some help, some strength, some victory tonight from knowing the Bible.
she's going to sing. Let's find somewhere to pray. Tonight.